Anyone who's ever come to this country and couldn't find an ingredient and improvised with something else is cooking American food. We've gentrified the ingredients themselves. It has to start at home. The restaurant was my playground. The Food Network has not made people stop cooking, but that doesn't mean it hasn't had an effect. I try to cook, but it tends to be a little bit boring. I love to cook. Home cooking is good for you. Makes you strong. Keeps your vitality. We've been talking American food all week on The Takeaway. Some voices from the last few days right there. And at the start of the week, we talked with Kara Miller about how the Food Network has shaped our eating habits. Kara is the host of WGBH and PRI's radio show, Innovation Hub. And today she's back to round out our series with a look at why fewer people are cooking today in the United States. According to research by food industry analyst Eddie Yoon, only 10% of Americans report loving to cook. The other 90% hate it or are lukewarm. More from Eddie Yoon later. But with all the popular cooking reality shows we have today, why aren't more people inspired to cook? And what does that mean for the food industry? I asked Kara Miller. So you might think that watching food on TV would be inspirational and people would go into the kitchen after seeing Food Network. Um, But in fact, it's really been the opposite. What we've seen is just a few years ago, the amount of money that people spent on groceries every year was surpassed by the amount of money that people spent going out. And that's the first time that's ever happened. Um, We've seen trips to the grocery store plummet. And lots of grocery stores and obviously big food companies which sell their things in grocery stores, they've had really tough times in terms of like making their sales targets. And so I think the big question here is, what is going on? Why have we stepped out of the kitchen? I talked to a food industry analyst, Eddie Yoon, and he said, that is a complicated question. But here, in his view, is one aspect of it. I actually think what's happened is that the advent of food TV and the explosion of it has raised the bar and made it that much more complicated and uh, intimidating for people to cook. And the the, the image that I have is uh, my high school chemistry teacher played the cello, but he, the last time he played was when he sat uh, next to Yo-Yo Ma in college. And he was so despondent at how good Yo-Yo Ma was and how bad he would you know always be compared to him that he just stopped playing. And I think that's actually more of what's happening now today than not when it comes to cooking. So, Kara, how do we measure people's attitudes about cooking in terms of whether they like to do it or whether they don't like to do it? So, Eddie Yoon, who you just heard from, has actually done some work in this area. He's found that 10% of Americans report they love to cook. Uh, 10%. Okay, so that's down from 15% when he did the same survey 15 years ago. 90% of Americans say either they hate to cook or they're lukewarm about it, and it's just about evenly divided between hating and lukewarm. Um, and, and what happens when you have that kind of situation, basically, is that cooking as a skill starts to disappear from many homes. And that means it's not passed on to the next generation. So, I mean, that's very similar to something like knitting or woodworking. It's not that people don't do it. People do. It is an activity, but it's not a sort of everyday have-to-do activity that gets passed on to sort of most children who then grow up and do it in their own homes. What Eddie Yoon argues is that one thing that food companies, that grocery stores are going to need to do if they want to survive in this new environment is really rediscover their past as trailblazers. The whole notion of canning food 
was a technological marvel 100 plus years ago. And, you know, at the turn of the century, you had uh, the advent of electricity, you had the automotive, and you had refrigeration. And these are the things that kind of came together to create the frozen foods industry. And so that only happened as a result of the same kind of technological advancement that we look at today with the internet and social media and mobile phones. What are we seeing now in terms of trends with all of these food delivery services and takeout and seamless? Like, is that enough to close the gap? So, I mean, I think in some ways this is a big test for companies that have gotten used to steady income and steady customers and what happens, right, when you start to see customers disappearing. I think that uh, food delivery services are doing a piece of the of the puzzle, but they're still a small piece. Um, and one of the things that Eddie Yoon argues is... There is actually a technology um, that some folks are working on, including Amazon, but it's been adopted by other uh, countries, including Japan, um, to allow fresh food, not frozen food, to be shelf-stable without kind of the heating and the mushiness that sometimes goes with canned food. It's called, get ready for it, microwave-assisted thermal sterilization. And, that doesn't and one, sound appetizing. <laughs> well, hopefully they'll rebrand Okay. It. Uh, <laughs> but I think one of the advantages could be for lower income people who really want to buy fresh food. But fresh food often is at a premium, right, because you have to move it very quickly from the farm to the supermarket. And that means it costs a lot of money. And this would allow that trip to be slower. Um, and so the food could be cheaper. And grocery stores, at least this is what Eddie Yoon argues, are also going to have to reinvent themselves and become a little bit of a hybrid with a restaurant, and he calls it a grocerant. Imagine a Chipotle done by Safeway or Kroger. So you'll handpick the tomato, they'll chop it up and do it for you, and you're going to pay... I think a nice premium for it because it's more convenient. You, you know where it came from and you get to control what's in it, what's not in it. And for different members of the family. Is that sort of like Whole Foods, Kara? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing already grocery stores trying to deal with this new landscape. And yeah, I mean, Whole Foods at least some of them, are starting to have these little, basically, restaurants or stands sort of in the corners um, so that if you kind of shop the perimeter, often you can get pizza. We see it with um, Mariano's in the Chicago area where you, like, you can buy a piece of meat and they will... You, can, you don't just take the piece of meat home. You can, if you want, have them grill it for you so that, like, you don't really have to know how to grill a steak. Like, they will use their own expertise to grill it for you. And in some ways, that is kind of closing the gap that we're talking about where when people don't know how to cook that well, how can you go grocery shopping and still make sure that your food tastes good? And grocery stores are going to have to step into that gap somewhere and kind of help you out. Kara, really love your conversations today. And I know this week on Innovation Hub, you'll have more about how food is changing in America. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. We will dive into the history of the Food Network, which is a crazy and fascinating one. And then we'll also look at more of these issues that we've been talking about around food and inventiveness. Kara Miller is the host of the radio show Innovation Hub, and she joined us from our partner station, WGBH in Boston. Kara, thanks so much. Thanks. Great to be here.